All right, welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken with you alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota, none other than Travis Krenz. Travis, how are we doing? We're doing good. A, uh, another winter storm to our south. Hopefully it stays there. We're expecting two inches. They're going to get around six. So uh, more, more winter weather. Yeah, we're expected to, I think, get about two inches as well. It rained a lot on Monday, so we were uh, we went to Brookings on Saturday to celebrate Christmas with my grandma because she couldn't, and my, my cousins and aunt and uncle, we weren't able to get down there over Christmas. And we were going to stay through Monday, but ended up coming back late Sunday night because of the impending, like, wintry mix, freezing rain and stuff. And all it did was rain in St. Cloud all day on Monday. Yeah, and then we got cold enough to freeze, so yeah, it was like 32 degrees, 34 degrees, and it was just a light mist, like all day long, just a light mist. Never thought, we had. never thought we'd see rain in January up here, but that's where we're at, I guess, so yeah, another winter storm to the south, it sounds like more southern Minnesota and western Wisconsin, Iowa, supposed to get hit with some snow, so maybe Charlie will get a day off as well. Uh, Speaking of days off, the Minnesota Vikings have some days off. They are no longer in the playoffs, losing to the Giants 31-24. And somehow, still, as of the recording of this podcast, Ed Donatel still has a job, and I am befuddled by it. Yeah, the defense was really bad this year, and it was one of the worst they've ever had. Which is saying something because we've seen some terrible Viking defenses through the last 25 plus years. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they didn't have some guys. Patrick Peterson, I thought, had a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zadarius Smith was probably the best player on the defense. Yep. Duke Shelley. Uh, Duke Shelley came out of nowhere to do well. Third best uh-huh. corner, I think, rated by Pro Football Focus outside of uh, Sauce Gardner, and there was one other guy. Uh, so that's just unbelievable. So you, you find somebody like him. Uh, you got Daniel Hunter, who did all right. And other than that, not a whole lot there. Uh, we talked about Eric Kendricks and Harrison Smith. Just kind of, they fell off very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lou was seen getting hurt. Didn't hurt. Yep. So yeah, you really don't know what he's going to have. What he, was that a, was it a, bro- a broken leg, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. You know, it was a broken leg. So there's that, and his defense was just so bad all year long, and yeah, Ed Donatel has got to go. We're three days removed from this, and there's, but yeah, what are we waiting for here? Like Vic Fangio's out there. Uh, I mean, there are some guys who could could make a difference. And I don't know, like, is was the defense bad? I mean, we talked about this. A lot. I mean, you you've been saying all year that the defense was bad, and I'm like, well, at least you know they bent but didn't break, and yada yada yada. Um, like, is it the players? Is it the scheme? Is it both? I tend to think it's more scheme versus players. But watching Eric Hendricks just not be able to catch up to Saquon Barkley on a little on a pass where Barkley's two yards behind the line of scrimmage and he gets to the sticks for a first down before Kendricks can even lay a hand on him. It's just like. Yeah, Kendricks, you might be done. Um, don't know about Harry the Hitman. Uh, I mean, 
It, 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 something's got to change. You can't just say, oh, we got to get the right personnel in. No, no, that's not going to work. Um, you need to look at if or if you're going to get the right personnel and you need to have, have to have someone who's not going to play this conservative bullshit uh just shell stuff you need someone who's going to blitz and who's not going to let wide receivers go wide open i mean isaiah hodgins tore up the vikings that should not happen ever especially at home in the playoffs they don't cover anybody i don't know what that's called but it's not good there was a graph I saw of this past weekend's games of how often the other team was completely covered. I think a couple teams were at 60%. 60% of the time, their defense completely covered everybody on the other team. That's solid. That's over half. Vikings were last at 20. 20% of the time, they, they figure against the Giants, the Vikings haven't completely covered. That seems high. <laughs> Daniel Jones just ran all over him, couldn't stop him. Yep. And yet again, at the end of the game, they had a shot to win it. Sure did. And it was the perfect end to the season because they win all the close games and then they lose the one close game that yep. they need to win. Yep. So it, the, the season could not have ended. It couldn't have ended in a blowout. I didn't need to see them play San Francisco. Right. They needed to end in a close game in which they touched down to maybe tie it at the end of the game like they did so many times this year. So that was the only way the season could have ended. Yep. Uh, a lot of people are, you know what, Kirk Cousins played a, a very good playoff game. Like the offense in general was very good. He made the one bad play, the check down on fourth and eight, which he shouldn't have. But if you look at it, Kurt Warner broke it down saying, like, where is he supposed to go? He's got Dexter Lawrence in his face because Lawrence was just a machine out there, the all-pro, and I don't know how healthy Garrett Bradbury was, so that had, I think, something to do with it. But Kirk has nowhere to go with this football. Hawkinson had made a few plays earlier in the game, being able to pick up first downs and whatnot. Uh, you could have The only other place you could maybe have gone to was Dalvin Cook. And, you know, if, does he shake a defender? I mean, he had a touchdown earlier in the game, or he would have if he hadn't tripped up on his own feet. So, I don't know. I, I th Like, we're going to remember that throw by Kirk Cousins, but we can't place the blame on Kirk Cousins. I can place the blame on Christian Derisaw for that inexplicable false start on that fourth and one that they would have converted. And I think... They, they would have scored a touchdown there because the Giants' defense wasn't stopping them. They would have gone eight to, uh, gone up 28-24, to 24, and the whole complexion of that game changes. Maybe they lose. They, maybe they still lose 31-28, but they still it, it, it just changes. It, the magnitude, everything changes if they score a touchdown there. So, Darisaw, that's absolutely inexcusable. Speaking of inexcusable, the officials, how do you miss a blatant false start on that Isaiah Hodgins touchdown, the second uh, to Giants touchdown, second drive of the game. I'm not saying that the Giants wouldn't have scored a touchdown on that drive because it looked like they were because the Vikings defense put up as about as little resistance as possible. But it's still five yards back. It changes how they might attack things. And when you have a third of the defense that's standing around like, hey, that's a false start. You aren't going to call that? Of course you're going to score a touchdown there. The Giants had one of the worst 
roughing the passer calls that I've ever seen. Yes, that was very bad. The guy, Kirk Cousins literally has the ball in his hands still. Whenever the hell the defender was, wraps him up and throws him to the ground. It's called a tackle. Yep. And they call him for passing it. He he had the ball in his hands yet. That was terrible. That extended the Vikings' final drive a little bit more. Do you think, though, that I I maybe could have seen the hit to the helmet being the Uh roughing the passer penalty but, the, but they didn't but when say it was, that, though. Right. They did. Yeah. They did. They would have said, all right, yep. hands to the head or something. Or yep. I think it should. I think I think there should have been a flag there, but not for that particular hit. It should have been for hitting him on the helmet. I think he got him a couple different times there, albeit a brief glance. But still, if you're going to call a penalty, it should be for that, not, uh, not spinning him to the ground. And I really don't know why there's a there's a route when when you need seven eight yards. Why is there even anybody running a three yard route? Right. Yeah, Dalvin Cook. Okay, I can understand that just for an emergency purpose. Do what you did against Buffalo when Justin Jefferson made one of the great catches ever. Yep. He gets intercepted. So what? Yeah, it's the end of the game regardless. And I mean, that, I mean, that one throw is going to be remembered forever. Like, that's your Kirk Cousins. The season's on the line, we're going to throw a three-yard. That's just what he's a very conservative quarterback. He's, he, that's just what he is. Offense was very good this year. It's not his fault. This team is not good enough. The defense is not good enough to win. Kirk Cousins as your quarterback is not good enough to win with the defense. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe uh, Patrick Mahomes would be good enough to win with this defense. Well, I was just going to say, very few quarterbacks would be able to win with this defense. But if your defense is this bad, like there's no reason to spend $35 million on a quarterback yep. just to get by to be like an average team. So either you need... You need one of the five best quarterbacks, or you need a Brock Purdy that makes no money that's good enough. Right. There are so many holes on this team. The defense is the worst in football. Nobody's worse than the Vikings defense. Mm-hmm. I thought the offensive line did, did better than I thought they would yep. in this game. Bradbury's back, and hopefully they sign him, and... You got Darisaw, you got Bradbury, you got Brian O'Neill, although he will probably miss pretty much all of next season. So you had three good linemen. Brand, Blake Brandle is not bad as a reserve. Mm-hmm. Delvin Cook's got to go. He finally didn't get hurt for a year, but they gave the stat of he had the most negative or zero carries of any running back, so you, you need more consistency you need more positive yards from him mm-hmm. and he makes a lot of money so and then with this offense like do you need a running back like that like the rams don't have you know they, the rams have what cam Akers and a couple of other random guys yep something like if this is kevin o'connell and the rams you really need delvin cook so i would take the I would take Dalvin Cook over Alexander Madison. But you need you need so many, and, and and they're not in a very good 
salary cap situation. You're right. So there, you need to spend money elsewhere and save money elsewhere. I agree. I and ne- next next year needs to be Kirk Cousins last year with this team. It just has to be. He's 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 a perfectly fine quarterback. He is an above average quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't want him around anymore. Next year is going to be what year six of him? Seven six. Uh, well, he came in the off season of 2017, right? Yeah, he hasn't been 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. That's seven. Next year's year seven of Kirk Cousins. We've won one playoff game. That was against the Saints. Mm-hmm. We've been in the playoffs, what, three times in seven years, six years? That's not good enough. Right. So, again, he's been perfectly fine. We got to get rid of him. $35 million, I'm not paying him. I just, we've talked about Thielen. We've talked about Harrison Smith. We've talked about Dalvin Cook. Unless you're if drafting. You, if you get rid of those four guys, you would probably save $70 million. If, I'm just saying, who are you going to get as the quarterback? Who Who is going to get, who are you going to get that's going to be better than Kirk Cousins to help take this team to where they need to go? If you get somebody worse than Kirk Cousins, and the idea being you can use all of this money to get better elsewhere. But who would be that quarterback? See, I hear all these. I, like, I, I always liked Gardner Minshew, and he was, you know, he was okay when he came in. I he sucked him. against the Saints. I don't trust Gardner to be but that guy. You, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. For, it's, it's very odd that there are, like, Pretty good quarterbacks out there. Would you take a, a, a flyer on Trey Lance? No. Okay, how about Jimmy Garoppolo? You, you've got Tom Brady. If, if he goes anywhere, I assume it'll be the Raiders. You said that last week. You've got Lamar Jackson. The Jets, for whatever reason, seem to be a favorite there early on. Uh, the Giants are probably going to sign Daniel Jones. They will sign Daniel Jones, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That uh, Derek Carr, him and the Jets are another one. Like Derek Carr is a is a downgrade over Kirk Cousins. He's the same. He's the same as Kirk. He's, a, he he's not probably not as good. He's the same. He's going to cost you a lot of money mm-hmm. to be the same sort of guy. Yep. Who, who else is out there? There's a bunch of other um, like Aaron. I would take Aaron Rodgers. I think if he comes back, he is going to be. A whole lot better than he was last year because of his injuries. I mean, you could could you imagine him with Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson? Oh, he would when, be great. When the Vikings but, bring in the old guys, they do really well. But, but Travis, you just said that you got to you got to spend money elsewhere other than thirty five million dollars at the quarterback position. And who's going to win with this crappy defense? Do you really think? Yeah. That Aaron Rodgers at this stage of life in his career, do well, you the think price tag may be too much? The, right. So, but but if you're gonna have, but again, if you're gonna have a guy make, I guess in his case, forty million, then you just hope that he can be what he was last year or the last couple of years. But I think he won MVP last two years. If you're gonna spend that much on a quarterback, you need him to be like Aaron Rodgers was. He seems way too focused on just trying to win an MVP award rather than the Super Bowl. And that's 
I want. I I don't know. I I agree. I don't. I feel like like you you whatever quarterback you put in here is going to be good. Because probably whatever quarterback we put in is good. I mean we. I want something Keenum, though that can. We, we make Case Keenum look look competent. Yeah. You no, know, Sam Bradford completes seventy percent of his passes. I want someone who's going to be able to consistently give the Vikings quarterback play for years to come. If you're moving on from Kirk Cousins, and I don't know, can you can you trade up and get a C.J. Stroud? You're not going to get a Bryce well, there's Young. There's nobody in this draft I like. See, okay, okay so that except like, Bryce Young, so that's that's tough. So we don't have that. You know, there, there isn't that flexibility or that option to go out and find someone. So you would have to, essentially what you're saying is, next year, the last year of Kirk Cousins, and then the Vikings go out and draft the really good quarterback high up in there, a Caleb Williams, someone like that. Uh, so you would you would give up, essentially, a King's ransom with your draft picks. You kind of build the team, give Kirk one last hurrah, last one last run, and then say, thank you, Kirk, for your service. We're going to move in another direction, and we're going to have this rookie quarterback surrounded by all of this talent, the the, the Jeffersons, the Hawkinsons, the, you know, the, the defense, whoever is on the defense at that time, and say, you know what, we are not asking you to reinvent the wheel. We're just asking you to essentially manage the game and make a few plays here and there. Is that what you're looking for? This is very hard to do, but if you could find the next Rock Purdy, I would do that. Yes. Well, yeah. And it's it very difficult to do. So if you draft a guy like in the fourth round next year and say, all right, we're, we'll give this guy a shot. Maybe he'll be the guy next year with the year on the bench. Yep. And we thought that was um, maybe the case with Kellen Mond, but that was with the, pre, with the prior regime. Uh, yeah. Spielman and Zimmer, that was not, and really that was more Spielman of a Spielman pick, that was not Quasi and Kevin O'Connell. I would be okay with that. I'd be open to it. I don't know. It, it, Brock Purdy is a, and I guess Tom Brady even to a degree, are sensations for where they've been drafted and the success that they've had. Like, I, and honestly, I, I think I've said this before. Brock Purdy would not be as good as he is right now, would not have the same level of success had he been thrown into the fire week two if the 49ers didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo after Trey Lance got hurt. If he was starting week two, I don't see it going the way it did. Maybe they're you know they're still in the playoffs, but I don't think Purdy has that the, the type of season to that he has had now. If he was starting back in week two, that would have just been too early for the last pick. Tom Brady, uh, he got, I mean, he and Bill Belichick were a, a marriage right there. And, and Brady has had plenty of success without Bill Belichick here. But, you know, still, you know, Brady is now out of the playoffs. So I think Brock Purdy well, and Tom, if you're Brady, Tom Brady. Why would you not want to go to the Vikings? If his goal is to win a Super Bowl at 46 years old. I, yeah. Where I mean, you, you got to get rid of Kirk Cousins, which is very difficult. Yep. And, Tom and I don't Brady's know if I want Tom Brady. It'd be cool. I think that would I, be, I, I thought he was pretty bad this year. I think I, I. You know what? That would be great if you have the offensive line to protect him. And that's the thing. And Tom Brady's not going to cost you as much because he's been he's taken 
less money over the years to try and help the team get better. But what we saw this year in Tampa Bay is that when they had all of those injuries that ravaged their offensive line and they had no running game, they forced it all on Brady's shoulders. And, yeah, he I mean, he set records for passing yards for him in a season and passing attempts. But is that the way to win games? He's going to need some balance, and he's going to need a better defense. And right now, that's why, I, like, yes, Vegas makes some sense, but who has the better defense right now? The Buccaneers or the Raiders? It's clearly the Buccaneers. Um, depending on what the Vikings do, either scheme-wise or with players, maybe the Vikings would have a better defense if you keep Zadarius. I'd like them to keep Zadarius. I don't know if they will. I'd like them to keep Daniil Hunter because you have two cornerstones then rushing the passer. Eric Hendricks, thank you for your service. It's time to go. Harrison, it may be time to go. I would maybe keep you on a restructured contract. Adam Thielen, it sounds like he is feeling underappreciated by the Vikings, and like so he's likely to go. Or I would love to see him come back on a restructure, but you're going to need a run, uh, a wide receiver there to help out with KJ Osborne and and uh, Naylor and Jefferson, of course. Um, uh, Irv Smith, get out of here. Like I think if you're the Vikings, you have got to look at a couple of spots specifically. Hey, you have to lock up Zadarius again. I'd love to keep Patrick Peterson. You got to yep. get Duke Shelley. You have a Caleb Edwards or Evans who I who I saw flashes of that was pretty good. I don't know where Cam Dantzler's at. Hopefully he can come back and be serviceable. Andrew Booth, we'll see what happens there. We we don't know really what Lewisine is going to provide, but you need some help to fortify that secondary. You need to get pretty much a whole new a string of linebackers. Jordan Hicks gone, Kendrick's gone. Like you, you need some new linebackers, and you need maybe a couple more defensive linemen. If uh, you don't think like Dalvin Tomlinson is the guy, I thought he was really good this year. But I think you need to go then on the interior, on the offensive line, maybe one wide receiver. Figure out the running backs. If you want to get rid of Dalvin Cook, you still need, I think, someone in there. I don't know if uh, Kenny Nwangu or uh, um, Tyson Chandler are ready to carry the load yet. I don't know if you could keep Madison at that stage. There, there are several spots that they need to go at. But certainly on the defense, that's where they need to do the most um, retooling, and with several of their veterans, specifically Kendricks and Thielen, and I, as you said, maybe even Dalvin Cook, if you need to trade him, um, that's going to free up the most cap space for you. And if you want to get rid of Cousins and, and bring in Brady, that's fine, but you're going to need to show him a winning roster, specifically on defense, and within that offensive line as well, the interior uh, for that to even even think about working out. The tough thing is getting rid of Cousins. He'll be back. He'll be the quarterback next yeah. year. So, um, what about Jimmy Garoppolo? I'd be okay with Jimmy G. It'd be cheaper. He gets hurt a lot. Yeah. But uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, those are absolutely no's. Teddy Bridgewater is a backup. Case Keenum's a backup. There is one interesting guy out there who had a really good year, came out of nowhere. Geno Smith. Yeah, uh, Seattle's going to lock him up at thirty million, I think. <clears throat> Other than that, there's not a whole lot. 
out there. So, I mean, there are more than more than uh, usual a lot of quarterbacks who could be okay. So, you just we will need, see. you need Gar- to- Gardner Minshew is a free agent. Sign him, please. We got uh, Mullins who I I like Mullins, but really, you know, it'd be a bold move. Gardner Minshew, I think, I think it'd be an average quarterback with this offense. The mustache and do, do it for Michael Leach. Yeah, I just need to see what they do on the... I, I don't want the quarterback play to drop off so much if the defense doesn't improve, either scheme-wise or player-wise. So... Like, if you could spend... I don't know, could you get Gardner Minshew for $5 million? Probably. Probably. Mm-hmm. You're going to be your starter. So you save $30 million, You use that $30 million to get two good guys somewhere. You get a really good quarterback safety. You get a really good linebacker. I don't Pick two spots you want to fill. So there's that. You know, you get rid of Cook. You have some random rookie guy you're paying nothing to. You save 18, 19 million on Cook. You use his 18 million to sign the best offensive lineman out there. Would you want Josh Jacobs at all? He's going to cost a lot of money, so no. Okay. I'm looking for, Vikings have usually had really good running backs. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a really good guy who is really cheap. I'm looking for one of these random fifth-round picks that comes in and, like, with Damian Pierce from the Texans. Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm looking for, like, a sixth-round pick. Was it James Robinson with Jacksonville a couple of years ago? Yep. He was undrafted, uh, I think. That comes in and does well. That's what I'm looking at there. Okay. So, if you could take all of this money that you're spending on some of these guys and allocate it elsewhere... Quarterback wouldn't be as good. Running back wouldn't be as good. But you spread it out and you make the team better. There were a couple plays in this game that were that were backbreakers. The the Irv Smith drop on like third down. Yep. That hurts. There were only eight possessions in the game and the Vikings scored on four of them, so they did pretty good there. Yep. There was one other play. Yeah, I guess the false start. But the play in which Kevin O'Connell decides he wants to see Justin Jefferson throw the ball to Kirk Cousins. Awful. Just awful. I like it. Third and two. Third and one. Third and one. And there was no blocking there for Cousins. That's that's a ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yes. We're going to throw the ball to Kirk Cousins, and he's going to catch it and run. And... He did the same thing with Delvin Cook at the goal line. Against Detroit. Detroit, like, don't do that. Yep. Quit, quit doing that. It's terrible coaching. Mm-hmm. It's terrible decision-making. Terrible play calling. So they won 13 games. They were 11-0 in the one-score games. Let's say they were, like, 7-4, and four, which would still be a good record in one-score games. Mm-hmm. Let's say they were, like, 7-4. and four. That means they're a nine-win team instead of a 13-win team. And then they're tied with Detroit at the top of the division, and I don't know what happens there. But, like, again, this is this was a nine-and-eight team. 
that greatly overachieved. I saw Paul Allen tweet like this was his favorite season ever as a Viking play-by-play guy. Yeah, there were some exciting games and finishes. But like 2009, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. And the Minneapolis Miracle was really good. Yeah. I think so I, I, said- I, I, I never got excited about this team because yeah. I watched the games and I'm like, oh, well, they, they got lucky or they beat a Miami team that didn't have their quarterback. Or um, you just watch it like they're not good. Just because they won a lot of games didn't mean they're good. And they lose to the Giants. So I think if if you had if you had told anyone going into the season that the Vikings would be a playoff team in year one under Coach O'Connell, you would say, Well, that's great. If you would say, hey, they're going to win the division and the Packers aren't going to make the playoffs, sign me up for that, absolutely. It's the way that the season tailed off, specifically the last month. You know, the losses to Dallas, uh, to, um, to, to Green Bay, and then, of course, this playoff loss to the Giants. It's the way the defense looked. Like, oh, 13-4, like we would expect... Maybe a two seed, uh, you know, just a, a, a dominating team, and that's not what this was. And you're right, you know, they're kind of masquerading as a nine and eight team. And so I, that's why I, I don't want this to be. I, I want there to be consistency with this team and with the, you know, moving forward with its coaching staff, and and I think there can be. But I need to see what Quazy does in his first off season after his first, you know, season. Like, yes, he he made moves oh, last year, but like this is now where you 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 see what took place in year one, and now you need to retool. You need to regroup. You re- need to reestablish yourself. I want to see the progress that can be made with Kevin O'Connell and his coaching. There were too many times where he said, I got to be better at that. I got to be better. And yeah, you know what? It's, it's learning on the job. It's learning year one. And I get that. And I, this is by no means criticism of him because I think he's a really good coach. And I think the Vikings have something. But I, I'm nervous for next year and the future because I don't I don't know where like the, the vast improvement is going to be made to – or. To be able to sustain this, if anything, it drops off, and I think a team like Detroit takes over. Like, this defense doesn't need to get a whole lot better for me to say, all right, they're pretty good now. Be the 20th best defense. Mm-hmm. Do that. Be the 20th best defense, and you got some. And that's why I don't know if it's if it's the, the coordinator. I can't believe that the Vikings would – that, that O'Connell and Quasi are going to look and say, yeah, we got to stick with the status quo here. It'll get better in year two. What makes you think it's going to get any better? Because there's no blitzing. Guys are running free, roaming free, wide open. you got to be attacking. I want to wink Martindale. I want someone who's going to be aggressive. And the Giants' defense was not good on Sunday. Yes, they got a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins, but Kirk was making throws. Uh, what, they get maybe one sack, two sacks on Kirk the entire game? They didn't force any turnovers. And, you know, oh, this, you know, we got to see what Wink Martindale's got uh, for Kirk Cousins. Okay, you shut down Jefferson. Yes, seven catches, 47 yards. Wasn't great, but everyone else was making plays. Hawkinson had another monster game. 
Kirk was making throws where he needed to. So, okay, you shut down Jefferson to a degree. But that uh, the defense, I didn't come out of that game saying, wow, the Giants' defense was great. I know they are great, but that tells me that the Vikings also have something on offense to kind of neutralize that. But I want a Wink Martindale type of defense, an attacking defense. Oh, that'd be nice. And it, it, have we ever had an attacking defense? I guess Mike Zimmer had that initially. Oh, and, you and know he, what? Little Mike Zimmer's in Colorado now with Deion Sanders. I would love Mike Zimmer to be the defensive coordinator of this team. That will never happen. You know, I don't, don't touch the offense. We got that covered. Uh, coach up that defense like he did five years ago. And they were really, really good. There, what Brian Flores is out there. I'm intrigued by him. I think he's going to be the head coach at Arizona. That's the the. Well, that sucks. There, Brandon Staley. I had him marked. I can't believe he's not fired yet for right or wrong. Well, that, okay. So that, you mentioned that the Chargers charger it up. You know, you want to talk about bad losses in the playoffs? The Vikings wasn't a bad loss. It it sucked the way it ended, but you know. I don't want to see them lose 58-17 to 17 to the 49ers next week, and I think that's what it would have been, something like that, because that defense wasn't going to stop them at all. But then you have the Chargers, who had a 27-0 lead, had picked off Trevor Lawrence four times in the first half, and you inex- you find a way to lose that game 31-30. to And then I, I think Brandon Staley should have been fired. Because we see time and time again poor coaching, and I feel bad for Dicker the kicker missing that forty-yard field goal. I mean, he's been great all year. You know, it sucks that he missed a field goal there that could have, I don't know, put the game away or whatnot. But then for the Chargers to say, "Hmm, let's look at this team. Where were our shortcomings? Oh yeah, the offensive coordinator Lombardi and the quarterbacks coach. You gotta go. I'm sorry, didn't Justin Herbert have a great year? Maybe if they had Mike Williams, because it was the coach's decision to play." Play him in the final week of the regular season, but you're going to fire Joel Lombardi? The fuck is going on? Like, the, the Chargers chargered that game in a way that they lost, and then they're they're chargering their way through this this uh, off season so far with with firing the offensive coordinator because that was that was what was holding this team back. Come on, give me a break. The coach gets a lot of the blame here in this game. So whatever. I mean, it seems like always the, the coaches. Jeff Saturday in the big comeback. Uh, whatever the hell was the uh, the Falcons coach? Uh, Dan Quinn was he the coach? Yeah, in the twenty eight three Super Bowl. Well, Kyle Shanahan though was the offensive coordinator and probably yeah. should have ran a couple of plays rather than throw it. It's always the coach here, and like, why doesn't Justin Herbert get any blame? Good question. It's like this. This should have been a thirty-five to nothing game at halftime. Yep, he sails that pass over Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen was wide open. When it's twenty-seven to seven at halftime. Yep. Like, all right, they're down twenty, but it's possible when they score a touchdown to make it a thirteen-point game. I was talking to somebody. It's like, like it wouldn't. It's not a surprise if Jacksonville comes back. They're down agreed. thirteen. Yep, I agree. I said it as well. So, and it's the Chargers. Like, you just can't take them seriously at all. Now, I would say that the offensive coordinator position for them is very coveted because you have Justin Herbert. But what what does – 
as far as moving forward, you've got Kansas City and you've got Cincinnati and Buffalo. B- Buffalo, I feel like this, this is, if they don't do it this year, they're not going to do it. Yeah, I yeah. think I think Buffalo's window is closing very very quickly mm-hmm. uh, for that. So they, they need to get it done this year, or I don't think they are. But the Chargers, I just know I don't put them in the discussion of being a serious team when you have Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes out there instead. So yeah, an unbelievable game, an unbelievable comeback, and terrible. Yeah, the Chargers did not turn the ball over in this game. They they were plus five in turnover differential, mm-hmm. and they still lose. Uh, Joey Bosa is an idiot. He looks like an idiot, mm-hmm. and. He definitely uh, played like an idiot late in that game. Cost him huge. So uh, good, good for Jacksonville to win that one. I I told you in the middle of the season that I really like Jacksonville to win the AFC South for yeah. next year. I like what they're building there. I like what Doug Peterson's doing. What they have done so far is remarkable in just coming back and stuff out of the bye. It would not shock me at all if they beat Kansas City on on Saturday. It wouldn't shock me if the, if the Chargers had won, if the Chargers would beat the Chiefs on Saturday. I look at this game, and I, I think the Chiefs will win, but it's not. I don't think it should be looked at as an upset for the ages because you look at this talent that the Jaguars have. You look at who their head coach is, and you know, if you want to, you're talking about Buffalo's window closing because of Burrow and Mahomes and, and whatnot, and you do have Herbert. We're just kind of waiting for the Chargers to break through. We have to bring the Jaguars into this conversation here because I think very quickly Jacksonville is going to ascend into one of these teams that are vying for the AFC you know, championship, the AFC crown here that maybe have a better overall roster than some of these other teams. Like, we're going to have to mention them with the Joe Burrows and the Justin Herberts. Doug Peterson is an outstanding football coach. He is. To take Nick Foles to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But Carson Wentz looked good. Yep. It's unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. And these guys go elsewhere and are awful. So there's that. I just would not, it will not shock me if Jacksonville wins on Saturday because they're playing with a ton of confidence right now. Their defense is great. I I was the one in the offseason, like, what are they doing overpaying Christian Kirk and Zay Jones? And you know what? I don't know if they were necessarily worth the money, but Zay Jones, I think, has played outstanding for the most part. And Kirk has done very well as, as well. So they have they've answered the questions that at least I had. Uh, regarding them, uh, so I think the Chargers or I think the Jaguars are going to give the Chiefs everything they can handle. We're going to get Bengals Bills now. Bengals beat the Ravens twenty four to seventeen on an inexplicable, inexplicable decision to try and jump and extend over the goal line on third and one by Tyler Snoop Huntley when he should have gone underneath. Sam Hubbard, there's a fumble. Sam Hubbard picks it up and runs it in uh, 98 yards for a touchdown. Cincinnati won that game, but Baltimore probably should have won it. Like, I didn't leave that game saying, wow, look at how good Cincinnati is. We do get the coveted matchup with Buffalo that we were looking forward to in the regular season, but now it's in Buffalo. Buffalo didn't look good against Miami at all. Josh Allen looked like absolute trash 
Like, you know, multiple fumbles. He just made bad decision after bad decision. Buffalo was very lucky to win that game because Miami had terrible clock management, couldn't break the huddle at all. So I get, if I'm looking at this here, you get Buffalo-Cincinnati, I either team could win this one. It should be a great game, but neither team looked good at all last week. It, it's... It's the thing I hate about the NFL most, that these games can be close. Like, there is no reason the Dolphins game should have been close at all. At all. Skyler Thompson played terribly. Big Wyoming went back to what he used to be, just fumbles and interceptions and turnovers all around to keep the Dolphins in this game. Mm-hmm. Inexplicable. And then the Ravens, a little bit more justified. They played the week before, but they won by like 11. So it was a little bit more competitive. And, and Tyler Huntley were, I mean. They they played Anthony Brown in that week 18 matchup. They didn't play Huntley. So and he played for him out of his mind. Yes. For him, it's like, shit. So there's that. And uh, Trevor Lawrence did the thing in the game the night before, but they're at the one-yard line, and he's 6'5". Tyler Huntley's at the two and, like, 5'11". But that's a two-point conversion versus a third and one. Like, if you don't get it on third and one, if you don't sneak it in, you have another play. With the Trevor Lawrence, he, yeah, he had the frame, but that's a two-point conversion. So, like, that's that decision to do that there is because you don't have another opportunity after to try and to try and attempt it again, and the play didn't call for that. It didn't call for you to jump. The call was for him to just barrel forward. Yes, yeah. It wasn't. There were guys around him and behind him to push him, not for him to fucking jump. So <laughs> that's bad. It's not bad coaching. It's it's bad for him to do something he wasn't supposed to do. If he scores there, if the okay, Ravens score a touchdown there, they win that game. Because the Bengals then are going to play tight. They may tie the game up later, but I would trust Justin Tucker to make a game-winning field goal. I bet Baltimore wins that game 27-24. Could be. And uh, the Bengals got some offensive line troubles and injuries. Yeah. So that's with with the Buffalo matchup. And I saw a stat where when uh, when Buffalo had Von Miller, they were excellent getting to the quarterback. Yep. And he got hurt. They are not good at all. Yep. And Josh Allen has no receivers outside of Stephon Diggs. You don't like Gabe Davis? Gabe Davis, I thought put like he'll have he'll have a good game once a month. Anyway, he he's the one that had the huge game against the Chiefs. Yep, and like two touchdowns. Gabe Davis had nine catches for one thirteen against the Dolphins. Before that, or he had six catches for one thirteen. Before that, he had 39 yards against the Patriots, 45, 56, 31, two catches for 15, four for 38, five for... He's had one game over 100 yards in the regular season. Yeah, that's... That was 171. Three catches for 171 yards against Pittsburgh. Yep. Other than that, no. Um, 48 catches on the year for 836. So he's a big-time, big-play receiver... But no, if he's your number two, they just don't have like who 
Cole Beasley, they picked him up right yeah. before. They obviously needed, needed somebody. So, yeah, I'm sure DeMar Hamlin will be there. I'm sure they'll show him. I'm sure it'll be a big deal. Either way, if, if Kansas City can at least win, it will it, be nice the next week because Cincinnati has the Chiefs number. Yep. And Buffalo's beaten them the last two years as well. In the regular season, not in the postseason when it matters. So, yeah, like you might. It's it, it's an interesting AFC. It's oh, very yeah. interesting AFC because you got Jacksonville. Like, can they can they stun everybody? Because nobody's going to pick them to win. Can they? I mean, the Chiefs. Sometimes you know, once in a while they're, they're not going to be able to come back from twenty-four now. Yep. So. I, Very, and, and, and for Trevor Lawrence, he is significantly better in his second year, which I like to see. Mm-hmm. A big-time quarterback. He was awful last year, and now he is pretty good this year. And if he gets even better, then they've got the guy they thought they were going to get. Um, so, you, you think about the good, additional weapons. Good for that him they... to get better like the way this thing is supposed to work. Well, I think. I mean, you could just look at – who his coach was last year. That's entire, and yep. I love you know that they have Travis Etienne, his, his college teammate, there running back. I think Etienne is showing off his versatility and how good he can be. Whichever team comes out of the AFC, oh, in the Super Bowl, that's the team I'm cheering for to win said Super Bowl. I don't care for any of the NFC teams. Um, I guess San Francisco would be. The favorite, uh, my. I would love Brock Purdy to win a Super Bowl yes. because the NFL talking TV people would have no idea how to react. Exactly. Yep. And, and what, I like what they won with a seventh round pick and the rookie and Mr. Irrelevant. What was this? Trey Lance didn't do it. And what? Iowa State guy won the Super Bowl. What's going on here? San Francisco. San Francisco was down 17-16 at half to Seattle and then turned it on in the second half. Uh, a back-breaking, crushing uh, strip sack fumble when Seattle was in the red zone trailing, what, 24-17, kind of ended any chance that Seattle had of winning that game. And then Monday night, that so San Francisco is going to take on the Cowboys, who D- Dak Prescott, wow, did he look good. Against the Bucks, um, I went ahead and picked the Bucks because I, given how Dallas looked the last few weeks of the regular season, Tom Brady said that they're healthy on offense. They were getting Ryan Jensen back. I thought, okay, maybe they can do something here. But Tampa Bay looked awful. How good? Like, is it more that Tampa Bay looked awful, or is this that Dallas really good? And can this? I, I'm very curious to see how this Dallas defense will attack a rookie seventh round pick in Brock Purdy how what will Kyle Shanahan do to put him in a good in good positions because uh, I I must admit I'm a little more worried now about San Francisco losing to Dallas than I was just based on what I saw from Dak Prescott and company Monday night I could not watch that game. That was an awful football game. It was awful. You're right. I, I, I flipped over to Law & Order for a little bit. <laughs> what the hell did I watch? I watched an, uh, a pretty good 
UAB and Middle Tennessee State basketball game on CBS Sports Network oh, that went into overtime. That's what I watched. There we go. That's like there was nothing else on. Um, yeah, they played in week seven. What happened in that game? I don't even know. Uh, wait, San Francisco and came back, I believe, and Christian McCaffrey was there for the first time. I don't even remember what the hell this was in Dallas. No, they didn't play this year. They didn't play since week seven, okay. They didn't play, so excuse me on that. They did not play. Yeah, obviously, you don't want the Cowboys to win this. We we don't want that. No. I just wonder what... Go ahead. Just assume if the team is terrible one week, they'll be great the next. Because nothing makes sense. Just to look that terrible versus Washington and to just trounce Tampa Bay. I'm like, all right. And I must admit, like, the 49ers defense wasn't spectacular against Seattle. For them to give up, you know, to, to give up that lead, you know, and give up 17 points in the first half, it just makes you wonder, like, okay. What, what does Dallas have in store? Like, Kellen Moore, uh, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, called a great game. San Francisco got a very good defense, but I'm more concerned about what Brock Purdy will do against Micah Parsons and and company. And that's why I think for, for San Francisco, this is going to be far more of a run the ball, you know, these these zone, these zone motion reads uh, with the, the zone uh, running scheme, uh, handoffs to Debo Samuel, um, maybe some more short passes like George Kittle. I don't think this is one where they're going to say, hey, Brock, let's set you, let drop you back several times and, and throw it deep. It's going to have to be some creative play calling, but getting it in your playmaker's hands, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, lots of screens, wide receiver, jet sweeps, the like, because you can't... I, I, I think Brock Purdy could get shaken a bit if Micah Parsons and, hell, Diggs, you know, get after him and, you know, get a pick or sack and force a fumble here early on in this game. I'm all in on Brock Purdy. I am too. If they stay with him, I think he's going to be fantastic. Yep. And, and part of it is, like, the draft evaluation that I hate. But he was pretty good in college for Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to barely get drafted. And I would love to see Zach Wilson on this team to see how terrible he'd be. I think he's so bad that even if you put him on a really, really good team, he'd still suck. Well, that's the thing. Like, with Brock Purdy, is it the scheme? And, like, it, sometimes it's it's the match made in heaven. And, like, if Brock Purdy were on... The Jets. Well, I... Yeah, let, let's say, yeah, if Brock Purdy's on the Jets. It, if Brock Purdy's on, but I think the Jets are very comparable because they have offensive weapons. They have a very good defense. Is it the coach, though, that makes the dip? I mean, Kyle Shanahan is masterful at, at, at this. We love Kyle Shanahan. And so I think it's more the, the system that Brock Purdy is in versus... You know, like oh, so many evaluators missed. Like I, I think if he's a seventh, if he's Mister Irrelevant on the on the the Bears or the the Broncos, the 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 Patriots, he, he doesn't he doesn't have this sort of success. People don't want to give him credit because he was a seventh round pick. 
I, and I'm not trying to. I, I'm saying he, well, I mean, he's I mean, doing I great. What you saying, like I've heard other people say that they it's the system. He's Tom Brady. I mean, and, and, and again, it shouldn't take much for San Francisco to be really good because you look at their roster and it is the best roster that there is out there. Yep. Tight end, receiver, running back, defense. They, they, this is. He is really good. He absolutely is. That is probably the best team in football. Yep. And I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Yep. He is absolutely outstanding. I'm not trying to take I'm just saying, like, I, I think but we then, have to. But one, then, then, then Trey Lance comes in and is just terrible for the game and a half he played or whatever. And he had a year to sit. Yep. And, like, all right, Trey Lance is going to be our guy. We're going to say goodbye to Jimmy G, even though he got us to the Super Bowl. And he's good enough to get us there. We think Trey Lance is going to give us that little extra. And he comes in, and it's like he's never played football before. So did you see – maybe you didn't. But So the, the Titans, uh, they they hired a GM. It, he's from San Francisco. And the 49ers are going to get two compensatory picks, two third-round compensatory picks, which help uh, alleviate some of the, the – the, the oh. draft picks that they lost in the Christian McCaffrey uh, trade, but uh, it's a because it's a minority hire or whatever. So um, uh, let me get the guy's name here for the Titans. Um, but apparently, Rand Carthon. Rand Carthon, thank you. Yep. No, I'm gonna name my kid Rand. <laughs> Rand walk and run. So. Trey Lance apparently liked uh, or like a, a fi- did a fingers cross Instagram uh, response or something regarding Rand Carthon, and now everyone's trying to decipher what exactly Trey Lance meant. Like, is it because he wants to be with him? You know, does he kind of sense that? Maybe his time in San Francisco is done. And, you know, I hear Mike Florio like, well, Trey Lance is getting a raw deal. Is he? Because he's had enough of an opportunity, I would think, to show people what he's what what he's got. And I... I Why does Brock Purdy come in right away and does absolutely fine? Exactly. Borderline amazing. Like, he'd be good for, like, if he was, like, Trevor Lawrence, and he would come in and be like, oh, wow, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance has started a couple games, and has not been very good. And this is a guy that's been on for a couple years now. So, if you get a first-round pick from Tennessee for that, and it is a bit of a risk to keep Brock Purdy, let's say you win this week and lose next week, and you say, all right, we're going to... We're going to go with Brock Purdy. We're going to see if this works. It's a bit of a risk. See if this is just a flash of the pan or not. But you get a first-round pick for for Trey Lance, I would absolutely do that. Because well, he may turn out to be awful. You know, you, that's where you're like, are you, you're cutting your losses here or whatnot by, by doing that. Um, you know, and just admitting, hey, we made a mistake. Or are you saying, hey, this is a great mistake because we found this Brock Purdy guy here and so I think there is a chance that Lance gets traded and that was it did I mention my bold predictions last week or the week before I had a couple of bold predictions I'm that was, the Raiders 
Or Tom Brady maybe to Tennessee instead of the Raiders. All right, that said Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr getting traded. But one of my other bold predictions is that Brock Purdy will be the starter for the 49ers next year and Trey uh-huh. Lance will be out somewhere. Like, it, it's like Brock Purdy has firmly implanted himself as the. I, I don't know how the 49ers could go back to Trey Lance. Um, if you. I know Jimmy G is beloved in that locker room. I think Jimmy G makes a lot of sense with the Jets if they don't go all in on the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Do the 49ers bring Jimmy G back and say, hey, can you just back Brock Purdy up or will he want to play elsewhere? But I think I think Trey Lance is he's on the outs. I would much rather throw all I would much rather see Brock Purdy. As the forty, if I'm a 49ers fan and if I'm a 49ers player, we know that the the ceiling with Trey Lance is so high, but we just don't we haven't seen it yet. His ceiling's higher than Brock Purdy, but we don't know if he's ever going to get there. And we know what we got with Brock Purdy right now, so that's one of the bold predictions of the offseason for me is that Brock Purdy will be the starter for the 49ers. I agree with that. Gonna be a lot of movement, a lot of movement. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, we have four games ahead of us this weekend. Uh, Jaguars at the Chiefs, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC on on Saturday. Thank God Al Michaels and Tony Dungy will not be calling this game because uh, they sounded as unenthusiastic. They were like they were calling a wet, uh, um, uh, watching the paint dry contest. I mean, it was bad. And, oh, like I would think you would have a little more excitement when Riley Patterson puts that field goal through for the Jaguars. And Al Michaels just made it sound ho-hum. Tony Dungy added nothing, so thank God they are not. I don't know, like, Tony Dungy's been doing this a long time, and I don't think he's any good. He's better as an analyst. He's not good, like, in studio. He is not. uh, He's about as exciting as a fucking piece of white bread. (laughs) Like, all right, is this all you got? We get just a piece of white bread. That's all we got. White bread. Nothing. Yeah, yeah it's just like you could leave, not do this again, and I wouldn't notice at all. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I did find that uh, that story on Trey Lance uh, putting a trio of fingers crossed emojis under uh, Instagram story photo of Ryan Carthorn. So that's or Carthon. So that's. Uh, Something to watch for, and again, I don't... And again, he's from Marshall, so I kind of have to be nice to the kid from Marshall and whatnot, but, um, like, I don't understand why people would think he's got a, a raw deal here because he's he's had a chance, and you know what? The 49ers struck gold, pun intended, with uh, the unlikeliest of picks. But anyway, we got the Jaguars Chiefs here. Um, I think the Chiefs win this game, but again, as I stated earlier... It will not be surprising to me if the Jaguars win because the Jaguars, a young upstart team, good defense, good quarterback, and we've seen Joe Burrow and the Bengals go into Arrowhead and win a game in the playoffs, which makes me think the Jaguars can do it, but I'll still take the Chiefs. Give me Jacksonville. All right. right. The Chiefs needed overtime to beat Houston. Yeah. The Chiefs played two close games with Denver. Yep. Chiefs didn't do it for me this year. To think we almost, not really, 
not really almost, but we could have had a Viking Jaguar Super Bowl this year. Could have had it five years ago. Could have had exactly, exactly. That was the last time Jaguars were in the playoffs. Uh, 8.15, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Fox, then. It's the six-seeded Giants against the one-seed Eagles. If I'm smelling an upset anywhere, that I, I don't really deem Bengals over the Bills to be an upset. But if I'm looking at an upset this weekend, I'm thinking the Giants may be able to take down the Eagles. They played their backups against the Eagles Week 18 when the Eagles had everything to play for. And they, they played him really tough. Daniel Jones playing with a lot of confidence right now. Don't know, you know, we know Jalen Hurts' shoulder isn't 100%, even though he's off the injury list. Lane Johnson off a tackle, not, not sure how healthy he is, but he's going to try and play. Eagles have not looked good over the last month. Giants playing with a lot of confidence right now. I, I, can, I sense a giant upset here, but I will take the Eagles because I'm too chicken to pull the trigger. Give the Giants. All right. They don't get to the playoffs very often, but when they do, they make it count. They are apparently 6-0 and against one seeds in the playoffs since 1990. They are. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. They, they barely get in the playoffs as a six seed, as a five seed. And they knock, all these, they knock off the Packers. They knock off all these teams. They're usually not very good, but when they get in there once every five years, they make the Super Bowl. That they do. All right, so you got the Giants there. So you got the two road teams winning on Saturday. On Sunday, then, at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central time on CBS, it is the Bengals at the Bills. I would imagine DeMar Hamlin is going to be at this game. He's going to walk out. He's going to get the fans all, you know, juiced up and, and just going nuts and crazy and whatnot. The Bengals are playing with a lot of attitude here, um, and they're, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're angry for how everything kind of went down here uh, after that Monday night there, Week 17. But the offensive line is a concern for me, and I will take Buffalo to narrowly beat the Bengals. Pick the Bengals to win this one. Joe Burrow is not good in the playoffs, even though they win. Yep. 209 yards doesn't do much for me. Um, he's, you know, I don't know if he makes big throws, but he, he hasn't lit it up in the playoffs. Last year he did it. He threw for 244 yards against the Raiders. He had two touchdowns and interception versus the Chiefs, and he completed 60% of his passes. He has, you know, he's got this reputation as, like, this great quarterback, which, which you know, he's really good. But it's not like he's had this amazing playoff run. It's, a lot of it was their defense last year. Mm-hmm. Won all those games by three points. And three their points, kicker. Three points. Yeah. So, and the kicker. So, I'll take the Bengals. All right, we are three for three on opposites here. Then at 5.30 p.m. Central Time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, it's the Cowboys at the 49ers. They've met nine times in the playoffs before. Classic games in the 90s with John Madden and Pat Summerall. The Cowboy, the way the Cowboys looked Monday gives me pause here, but I got a roll with Brock Purdy and the 49ers. San Francisco. All right, there we go. One for four, so there we go. 
Uh, should be a very well, good division. Well, when it comes to the one more point on the Vikings. Yeah. Yep. Like if I ever tell you their their point differential is negative three at the end of the year, you can say, yeah, they're probably a five hundred team. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they're thirteen and four. And the good thing is they get a much higher draft pick. They get the twenty uh, third pick. Yeah. And now, so that is pretty good. And you could go secondary. You could go offensive line. Could trade down and get you know, some... T.J. Hawkinson is their second-round pick, so I like that. Yes. Yeah, I could trade down. I, I'm looking at one guy in particular that I really want at the moment and maybe another guy that I would be okay with. Uh, I would want... Uh, the receiver from Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, yes. Yep. I want him. If not him, maybe the, the, the TCU guy, Quentin Johnston, mm. maybe. Okay. Obviously, defense is a huge problem. But we've seen, like, receivers make such a big difference. Yep. If outside a quarterback, I think receivers make the biggest difference of any position. Yep. What I mean, you just go down the line of what certain receivers have done when they've gone elsewhere. So you would be you would rather attack the defense in free agency and go wide receiver with the first pick. You are not signing a wide receiver that could be as good as him. I don't think. Right. You could you could sign some offensive linemen, some defensive help, and so I want a receiver, and they've been excellent. Picking receivers mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. So, give me uh, give me the Ohio State receiver, Phil Thielen to hit, hit the bricks. Have KJ Osborne, him, Hawkinson, Jefferson. See uh, see what that does for Coach. I'd be okay with that. So, yeah, should be in for an excellent divisional playoff round. Uh, sad that the Vikings won't be in it, but. Then again, they would get slaughtered by San Francisco. So I am not. Uh, I am not sad that yeah. they're not playing this week. I, I, am I think not it's probably better. It, it it just sucks the way it ended. If they lost on the road, that'd be one thing. Losing at home in the playoffs is just not fun. But at least they weren't the only home team that lost. And arguably, there were two teams that looked a little worse than what they should have, and that would be Buffalo and Cincinnati. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Oh yes. Yes. Get him in the second round or something. I'd be I'd be down with that. Also, uh, the Bills. I mentioned the Bills. I think like if they don't win there, I think they're done as far as a Super Bowl contender. Yep. Um, they played the Dolphins. I mean, they, they won by three. They played them the month prior. They won by three on a Sunday night. They lost to the Vikings by three. They beat the Lions by three on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. They beat the Chiefs. They beat them by four. Beat a bad Packers team by only ten. Yep. They won at Baltimore by three. They lost in Miami early on by two. Again, this is a team that does not blow. They either blow somebody out or they lose close. They finally won a lot of close games this year. Kind of like the Vikings. They did. So, and the Bengals' offensive line is concerning, but the Bills are not very good at pressuring the quarterback. So, I guess if you're going to have a weakness, 
your weakness coincides with the other team's weakness. Right. So that loss of Von Miller is is a crusher for Buffalo. I think that took them from like you know the top of the pack in the AFC to now just like right there with everyone else. Just that's how big of an impact Von Miller had. Uh, I mentioned Rand Carthon uh, is now the new GM in Tennessee. Uh, Monty Ossenfort is the new GM in Arizona. Uh, he wants Eagles to be checked at the door or left at the door. Everyone's going to be held accountable. That's kind of a shot at Kyler Murray. We'll see oh. who the Cardinals get as their head coach. Thought is that it would maybe be uh, Brian Flores is kind of the favorite there. We'll see what happens in that regard. But um, certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, Arizona is a mess. They have a lot of stuff that they need to figure out and deal with. So uh, that's where we're at there. No other head coaching news as of yet. Uh, I'm sure that will happen here in, you know, as like when Dallas gets eliminated, Dan Quinn should be named head coach of the Denver Broncos or Indianapolis Colts relatively quickly after that. Um, well, are, are you interested in Sean Payton? Because I don't give a shit where Sean Payton goes. I I just don't. I think he. I don't think he's that great. I don't think he's like this miracle worker. Oh, he's going to come in like he does, he's not going to have Drew Brees. Like, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to Denver or Russell Wilson? Uh, I see, and that's why I think Denver's just an awful spot for him. I would much rather, honestly, I'd rather be in Houston than I would Denver. Because in Houston, I would get a quarterback, a Bryce Young perhaps, or a C.J. Stroud that I can mold and and do do stuff with. You know, you could do that maybe in Carolina, potentially. Um I, I don't want to get saddled with an old quarterback like Russell Wilson. That's why the Chargers, if if they had fired Brandon Staley, Peyton to the Chargers would make so much sense. But I just, I don't look at everything. And I guess Indianapolis, too, would be a good spot be, for him because he doesn't have a, a quarterback there, really, unless you're buying into Sam Ellinger. I, when I look at, when I... Sean Payton at least made the Saints a consistent playoff team year in year. There was a time, I guess, where they had three sub-500 seasons, but they ran into salary cap hell. But, I mean, he and Breeze were were a pair. So I think you have to go to some place where either you, you link him up with a young quarterback, like a Justin Herbert, or you go to a place that doesn't have a quarterback, let him pick the quarterback, and mold him the way that he wants to to fit his system. The only year the Saints have ever won more than one playoff game was the year they won the Super Bowl. Yep, because of Bounty Gate. They've never won two playoff games in a row. Ever, outside of 2009. It's win, then you lose. Win, then you lose. Like, after that, two, three, four, five, six. They were five and six in the playoffs after that. Five and six in the playoffs. That's not good. No. Two of those wins are against the Lions and Bears. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, didn't mention this last week, but uh, as always, kind of look back at my preseason record. Um, wasn't a great year this year. Um, I was right. I was exactly right on Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. 
Uh, one off on the uh, plus one, so these teams won one more game than I predicted. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Carolina, San Francisco, and Detroit. Buffalo, Miami, Cleveland, and Houston all won one game less than I thought. Buffalo and Cincinnati have asterisks by them because they played one fewer game, and that could have changed some stuff. Kansas City, New England, Philadelphia, Dallas, the Giants, and Minnesota all won two more games than I thought. The Chargers won two less. And it should come as no surprise. You have a few teams at, you know, plus three, plus four, minus three, minus four in there. should come as no surprise then that the teams I whipped on the most, two were in the AFC West because I predicted all four AFC West teams to make the playoffs. Vegas minus five and Denver minus six along with Indy and the Rams. Jacksonville, the biggest pleasant surprise at plus six. The NFC East has three of the four teams left. It, they do. They absolutely do. And uh, They're what the AFC West was supposed to Exactly. Yep. You are right. Yeah, I mean, from year to year, you never know. Yep. It's just, you know, next year there will be you know three or four teams that didn't make it this year. That will be in our next year. Detroit, I can already kind of pencil in. So. Yep. Detroit. Uh, yeah. Maybe Minnesota, maybe not. We'll see. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're looking at with the predictions and stuff there. Yeah, um, the people want the uh, watch the Dallas Tampa Bay game. Thirty point six million or something like that. Oh wow! It's all about the stars, I guess. But you just watch the game for ten minutes. You're like, this sucks. Yeah, you went this to is yeah, you wouldn't have thought there would be that many people, but because of who it was on the field and the, the team he was playing against. Also the kicker. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Brett Maher is pretty good. Um, he's had a good season. So for him to miss four consecutive extra points is mind-boggling. And you have to you can't just get rid of him after one bad game. But if he misses a couple of kicks against San Francisco, probably on the outskis. It's a big week for him. Yes. Yep, no doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, let's see. Anything NBA we need to get to? No. Okay. Baseball, we talked Carlos Correa last week. Anything else since then that we need to talk about? Nope. All right. NHL, nope. Uh, college basketball. Kentucky is flirting with not getting into the NCAA tournament. And they had a big win against Tennessee on Saturday that kind of righted the ship a little bit. They come back and beat Georgia on Tuesday. So Kentucky maybe getting back in there. But uh, what uh, what have you seen from the last week of college basketball here that uh, intrigues you? So many upsets on Saturday. I think 11 ranked teams lost, which tied a record. You know, Tennessee loses. Uh, Arizona just got throttled by 21 at Oregon, and Oregon's not very good. Mm-hmm. St. John's beat, beat UConn on on Sunday. Like UConn, what frauds. What frauds. Yeah. Well, they're number two with the country at one point. Get the fuck out of here. Um, you know, Creighton picked up a good win versus Ed Cooley. You know, Creighton, 10-8. and eight, uh, You know, like, if they're going to get in, you know, they might be in that playing game. And there's usually a playing team that makes a run, so maybe Creighton is that team this year. Don't you think Creighton is Creighton's better though than what they, yeah, are currently at? Right? I mean, they have some injuries. 
for big guy, Colt Brenner was out. He's back, so that helps. So, yeah, I mean, they, they got to win some games here. Yeah, they already have eight losses. Uh, Indiana beat Wisconsin. NC State beat Miami. So, a lot of ranked teams, uh, San Diego State went down. Clemson beat Duke. A lot of these maybe aren't upsets, but they're unranked teams beating ranked teams. And then Clemson lost to Wake Forest the other night. Well, like, like Duke's just not any good. They're just not. So And North Carolina's kind of... Baycott is fine, so that's good for them. So. Here, here's something interesting. You talk about Creighton maybe, like, how good are they? Maybe a bubble team or whatever. Lenardi has them right now as an eight seed. They're ten and eight. They're one win away from being five hundred. Has them as an eight seed right now against Pittsburgh, a nine seed. And I looked at Pittsburgh's schedule because there's a very good potential that there's going to be no teams from the state of Pennsylvania because Villanova's bad this year. Uh, I guess you would expect that with no Jay Wright on the sideline. Pittsburgh is a nine seed, and I looked at. Like, yes, they've had some good ones. They started out hot in ACC play. They beat North Carolina, which was good. Uh, what, they they lost to, to Duke. But they've they've had some uh, really good wins. I guess they lost to West Virginia and Michigan. That's not great. But uh, beat NC State. They beat Syracuse on the road. They beat Virginia at home. That's good. This remaining slate for Pittsburgh is atrocious. They got Louisville twice. They got Florida State twice. They have Boston College. They have Georgia Tech at Notre Dame. They play Miami twice. They play at North Carolina. And they play Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse. Like, if this, it's a terrible, terrible slate. If they lose more than four games the rest of the way, I would be shocked. If Pittsburgh should not make it to the NCAA tournament if they lose more than four games the remainder of the season. Like the ACC is just not very good either. This whole the, the, oh, this whole college basketball season, it's all about average teams. They're yeah. everyone's average. You got you got Clemson, Wake Forest, and Miami. Your top three teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know Miami's not bad. They're fifteen and three. I've seen them play a couple times. I think Wake Forest was like a two point favorite last night versus Clemson. So, and then and they, and they beat them. You got Virginia there. You know, Carolina's at five and three, so it's you know Duke just is not good. Have we ever, in the history of the podcast or radio show, when talking about college basketball, have we ever mentioned Florida Atlantic? I can't recall of one time. I wouldn't imagine we have football. Yes, basketball, absolutely. And right now, they are projected to be a ten seed. They are playing outstanding right now. Who the fuck are they? Uh, let's see. What was the team a couple years ago that I didn't like that you like? Oh, um. I said go to hell with the. Uh, mm. was, was it James Madison? Who the hell was it? No, um. Who the hell Stephen F. Austin? Wasn't a perfect team. What time? Some team like this that, you know, had like two or three losses. The Wichita State? No, no. Oh. Um, Oh, what was it? Uh, fucking Furman. It was Furman. Oh, Furman, yeah. And they didn't even make the tournament. Who the hell is Florida Atlantic beat? Okay, let's take a look here. Beat All right. Florida. Florida's not any good. All right. So, yeah, they've lost to Ole Miss. They have one loss on the year. That was uh, the second game of the year. 
They beat Florida. They beat Bryant. I think that Bryant is a, a pretty good win there. Um, I mean, that's it. That's it. They have not beaten anyone else of note. Uh, yeah. They are. Guess where their net ranking is. This is ridiculous. Uh, two, this is ridiculous. 230. Well. What? What? How the fuck is Florida Atlantic 12th? <laughs> net rankings. Quad one wins. 2-0. and oh. Quad four wins. 7-0. and oh. What system is it where Florida Atlantic, based on their schedule and who they beat, is number 12. Uh, that's a great question. Right ahead of, two spots ahead of Arizona. What? I really like Charleston this year. I think Charleston is going to be very good. That's a team to watch out for. Um, this is garbage. Iowa State playing really good basketball. I think, as much as we don't like T.J. Otzelberger, I think we have to accept the fact that this Iowa State team is really good, and they can make a run. TCU, I think, is right there. Kansas-Kansas State played a hell of a game Tuesday night. I don't know if you saw this at all. Kansas State won in overtime. Uh, it was absolutely sensational. Uh, it's one of the reasons, like, I don't trust Kansas, but Kansas State has come out of nowhere. Like, this was not something anyone saw coming. Um, yeah, that's, um, I mean, Purdue's still good, but they win a lot of close games, so are we a little iffy on Purdue. Still, there was another team that, I, like, we got New Mexico. Alabama, Alabama's offense is excellent. Yeah, it's going to help that if the murderer isn't uh, around anymore. Like, how big of a player was that guy? I don't know. Brandon Miller's like a Kevin Durant type guy for them. Tall guy that can get to 30 points. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Miller's excellent. Alabama. And yeah, they're, they're a Final 14 for me right now. So, Alabama, good. Oh, yeah, this guy does look like Kevin Durant. This Miller yeah, fella. Yep. Oh, son of a gun who can shoot Brandon from three. That's exciting. And then you got uh, Houston. You know, like, how good are they? Because their conference isn't great. I really like Houston. I, I do. I know. I'm a little surprised they're giving up as many points as they have in recent games. Uh, like, they gave up 60 to Tulane. They gave up over 60 points to South Florida, which is not good. But they're scoring more points. I think when it comes down to tournament time, their defense is going to come back. I, I really like this year. Darius Miles, I feel like any, I think, it wasn't there a Darius Miles for like Cleveland Cavaliers that did something bad? It was with the uh, the Clippers drafted him at like 99. I think Then he went to the uh, Cleveland. Wasn't, wasn't very good considering he was like a top five pick. So this uh, Darius Miles here, uh, now former University of Alabama basketball player, he's no longer with the team. He provided the gun used in the fatal shooting, but that, but did not shoot. Another man fired the weapon. So, um, another, yeah, um, yeah, he was a junior reserve forward, um, keep your guns at home, charged with capital murder, but he provided them. So, I mean, sounds like it wasn't a huge deal, but that's still something that's hanging now, lingering over the Alabama program, um, Xavier. Texas fired Chris Beard. I don't know if we mentioned that last week. Yep. 
Right, rightfully so. Um, Xavier, we haven't talked Xavier in a while. Xavier's yeah, really good. Been looking good. Uh, they'd be my Marquette squad. Been keeping an eye on Marquette. Good, yep. uh, good little game last week. Uh, they lost to Xavier eighty seventy six. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got Xavier, you got Providence, you got Marquette, you got Creighton. That's in it. the Big East. Uh, UConn sucks, but oh yeah, um, the UConn. I think those are the five because Villanova bad year for them. Um, like Georgetown just keeps losing. Oh, I, I was watching that game on Monday. I wanted Georgetown to win twenty eight consecutive losses in Big Big East play. Uh, twenty eight consecutive conference losses. It's just bad. It's a you know, it's an interesting year. You know, the NFL was kind of mediocre. And looking at something similar here with with the college basketball, he's got ten teams from the Big Ten in right now, which is like, geez. Well, yeah, Penn State and, lost to Wisconsin the other night, so I don't know like where that kind of falls in here. I I, I don't know. The bubble. If you look at the bubble. The you want some bold predictions here, stacking. You want some bold predictions? I do. I always love bold predictions. What do you got? Rutgers is going to win the Big Ten. All right, I like it. They've already beaten Purdue. They've yeah, I like it. They beat Iowa State mm-hmm. Sunday in overtime. They got Michigan State tomorrow. I'll be tough. Looking at their schedule, not the most difficult thing I've ever seen. So mm-hmm. uh, let's keep an eye on Rutgers. Okay. All right. I am a-okay with that. You look at this bubble, though. You look at the bubble. Oklahoma is on it. I know Oklahoma State's kind of there, too. I don't trust Oklahoma. I think they're out. Boise State. Surprised that uh, uh, Boise State doing as well as they have. South Dakota State beat them, so that that can that win looks even better. Got New Mexico in there as well, so the Mountain West well-represented. Uh, the first four out, Kentucky, West Virginia, Northwestern, and Texas A&M. USC, Utah State, Florida, and Virginia Tech. Like, to me, this bubble, it's just, it, it, there's not a whole... It's almost, I, it's almost like there should be 64 teams instead of 64. Yeah, I, I look at this bubble and I say, wow, where, where are the rest of these, like, good teams in here? Where's the, the power, like, I, I don't feel like there's, I feel like there should be more mid-majors. That's what I guess I'm saying. And maybe yeah. the mid-majors are just better this year. Then these Power Five schools, and that's why so many of the Power Five schools are on the bubble, like a New Mexico playing really well. Um, New Mexico, you know, they were the second to last undefeated team, or were they the last undefeated? They were the last, uh, second to last. Purdue, no, New Mexico was, I think. And they lost two here recently. They lost to Fresno State, who is now two and four in the conference, six and eleven overall. Not a good loss. They lose to UNLV, who is twelve and six, but they're one and five in the conference, and their one win is against New Mexico. So those, that's unforgivable. New Mexico did defeat Oral Roberts, though, so that's a good win there. Yep. And they beat San Diego State. Yep. So I don't know. I look at them. What's 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 New Mexico done compared to what Florida Atlantic has done? And uh, I like what what New Mexico has done. Let's see where they're at in these net rankings. They're thirty. Okay, so let's look at what Boise State has done. Boise, Boise State, State lost. They are 20th. 
Here are two of Boise State's losses. South Dakota State, the season opener, two-point loss. They also lost to Charlotte, 54-42. Uh, they have wins at St. Louis. That's a pretty good one. Uh, they've lost at Santa Clara and Nevada. Nevada's hanging on for their tournament hopes right now. They beat Buffalo. That's not good. They beat Washington State. Fine, whatever. Texas A&M, I guess that's fine. I would look at this... And, yeah, they swept Nevada. So that, uh, oh, no, no, they split with Nevada. Excuse me. They have a big one with New Mexico coming up here on the 20th. So is that Friday? Yes, Friday. I look at this New Mexico slate here, and I don't see, I don't see very many good wins. I see St. Louis as being the best win, and St. Louis is not living up to expectations. So I don't know. Where did you say Boise State was in the net? No, none no. of this makes sense. No, there, none, none of this makes no, sense. This is bad. Like I look at their, I don't even think they should be sniffing the, um, no, tournament. The the tournament, absolutely not. No, I'm sure this will. It'll come down once they play more conference games. I assume against less options, and then you got. The Power Five teams, their ratings will go up because they'll play teams that are ranked higher, I suppose. So, yeah, we're still yeah, kind of early in the process, or a month yes. in to the conference season. Yeah, no, no, everything will will work itself out. We won't get into this like heavy, like all oh, these bubble teams or whatever until we get into um, February. Because conference play has just begun, but it's always interesting. Look at now, you know, with the NFL winding down or in the playoffs, our focus and our attention will turn to college basketball as it normally does. I've been watching a lot of it. I've been liking it. Got Kansas at Baylor on Monday. You got Kansas State at Iowa State on Tuesday. Uh, You got TCU. They're having a good year. Mm -hmm. Big Twelve is uh, Big Twelve is pretty good. Maybe maybe the best conference, maybe at least maybe five best teams. You take every conference as five best, and Big Twelve might be the best of that bunch. Oh, I I agree. I would agree with that. Uh, Tennessee losing to Kentucky. I I'm not. I don't. I don't trust Tennessee this year. I I, I, I don't. As good as they are, they screwed me last year. I don't trust them. Um, and you got the big, uh, the big SEC Big Twelve challenge next weekend. That's good. Got Kansas at Kentucky. Go Kansas. We've got Texas at Tennessee. Tennessee. Let's see what you're made of. No, blow them out. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Thirteen years ago today, we did our first radio show. Holy shit! It's your birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy, Happy anniversary to you. Thank you. I th- was, uh, the Vikings had just disposed of Dallas and Tony Romo the day before. Yes. And we talked about that. And um, well, My apologies for not leading the podcast off and wishing you a happy birthday. That is a complete failure on my part. So happy birthday to you, my friend. Thank you. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you. I, I feel bad now. I I, I even look and like, okay, we got to talk about this next week. And I it just slipped my mind. So I, I 
I apologize and I ask for your forgiveness on this. Thirteen years we've been doing this. It's been a lot of fun, hasn't it? The teenager. We are. We are. Um quite dry, but Yeah, I enjoyed those uh I don't know. It was only about, I guess it was two years, uh, at least for me, uh, it was two years of doing the radio show. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we had Nate Walters in the studio, and Clint Sargent was there, Dale Moss. I, I believe, was Clint Sargent there? I believe so, yeah. Him and Dale Moss and, and Nate Walters, Ryan uh, who, McKnight. Who did, we, did we get... Did we get Jill Young and did we get um, Jennifer Warkentine in there or no? Maybe not. Uh, Jill Young and... Maria Bover. Kitty Quarterman. Oh, okay. Did we get Whether Maria Bover at all or no? That was good. That was good. We, we were the ones who really reestablished that radio station. Because it wasn't being used. We were, No one was doing any program. On there. I don't know what they do with it now. I assume they did the same thing they did with it when we were there, which is absolutely nothing. But, like, you know, they should give you a credit or two. It's like, all right, you're going to be on the radio every week, or you're going to come up with a show. Mm-hmm. And that should be a class or part of your curriculum. Yeah, because they could utilize that a lot more. And obviously, they don't utilize it at all. Right. You have it there, may as well use it. Mm-hmm. I like that TV studio they used to have, or I guess they have it now. I don't know what they do with it now. Mm-hmm. But if it's not involving a a class, they don't utilize it for extra things that we would like to do. Right. And we, yeah, we did the sports lounge there. Um, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, we were the ones that kind of. We, we put an effort into it talking about SDSU sports in addition to everything else. You know, we always had the SDSU sports update. Um, and and it, 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 is, it is still something that, you know, they didn't have a coach's show. Yep. And and we brought that there. Well, yeah. They, so they were did. Division One, mm-hmm. And, well, they weren't, football team wasn't great like they are now. But it's like, they're not doing that. I still have the T-shirt that... Coach Stig gave us. I still wear it during football Good. season. Good. What? What? Uh, what was it? It was just the SDSU football shirt. It just had like South Dakota State, and there's like a football going through one of it. It just. I, I wear it. I alternate it on Saturdays in the fall. So. It. Yeah. Ten years, ten plus years later. I mean, that was a lot of fun because you would have like Charlie would come in, and that was fun, and. Well, Marcus and Drew would be there once in a while, and mm-hmm. I don't know. We have Blake, and yeah, it was it was really good. Oh, Blake with the with the pot, uh, Mel Kiper Junior Junior. Wow, what are you doing to celebrate your birthday? I have the day off of work. That's what I gave you the day off, so that's good. Played pickleball with the old people today. That was good. There you go. Uh, we're going to a Twins game, going to see the Astros that first weekend at home. Ooh, all right. Well, that's good. Uh, Melissa got me a nice little sports jacket and some nice shirts. Nice. Sports coat, so that's good. What'd you say? Um, I got, got some gifts there. So. Well, happiest of birthdays, your $50 will be sent to you here shortly for the... That, uh, for third, third place there, 50 bucks. Third place, yep, 50 bucks. 
Surprisingly enough, it's been a while since I actually did good. Yeah, and surprisingly enough, you did not have any high points. Uh, the weekly high points. Uh, no, this year. Was steady. Just a kind of a steady, good enough to win. Well, again, good happy enough. happy birthday to you! I will be sending a gif of some wrestler to you Whoa. later on uh, later on tonight. Court court is always appreciated. So. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll do that as well. But happiest of birthdays and happy anniversary to the sports block. Well, yes, thirteen years are gonna keep it going. Yep. Now here's to another thirteen more. How about Stetson Bennett sacking Stetson Bennett, Viking quarterback, 2024? Oh, God. Is it his kid, or is it actually going to be Stetson Bennett himself? Stetson Bennett, six. <laughs> I, I hate him, so they'll probably draft him. So. I don't think he gets a, a look. I really don't. It'll be interesting. We'll see. We will see. All right. Very good, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your birthday. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you next week. Travis Crenn's joining me here on his birthday and on the Sports Block Podcast anniversary. I can't believe I forgot to mention. I looked at it earlier and I was like, oh boy, we're going to have to bring that up. Wow. What a failure on my part. So sorry to Travis. Uh, so happy birthday to him. And uh, yeah, that's, wow. Talked football, talked a lot of college basketball. We're going to try and talk more and uh, more about the Jackrabbit Championship. Marcus Traxler uh, will join us. Maybe Matt Zimmer will uh, recap Wildcard Weekend, make some picks for the divisional round as well as we uh, continue with the Sports Block podcast this week. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis on Twitter at Travis Grins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Still enjoying being a national champion. We'll talk about that with Marcus Traxler coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. The 13th anniversary of the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. Still basking in the glory of the national championship win for South Dakota State last week in Frisco, Texas against North Dakota State for the school's first ever FCS National Championship. And uh, we have someone who was there, Marcus Traxler, my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic. There, Marcus, how are we doing? I'm good, Zach, and how are you? Good, good. The National Championship still, I think it, it helps me at least uh, um, take the sting out a, a little bit out of the Vikings loss on Sunday. How about you? I saw somebody point that out on Twitter that uh, there, there were a lot of, uh, it seemed like a lot of Vikings fans maybe taking things a little easier, and maybe that's because uh, their college team won, won last week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, sort of what I, what I would call a win for the ages. You know, it's one of those things that if you're an SCSU uh, follower or fan, I mean, it's uh, one of those things you're, you're not going to soon forget. So you were down in Frisco. Were you there to cover the team, or were you there as a fan? I was there as a fan. Uh, my okay. brother uh, is on the coaching staff. He has been for the last few years, but uh, this year was his first year as a defensive grad assistant. So I went as a fan. So that leads. So I was going wanted the audience to kind of know that here because that kind of directs then the, the the line of questioning here. You've covered a lot of different sporting events. You've covered a lot of Jackrabbit sporting events, writing for the paper and whatnot. How different was it? being in Frisco watching the Jackrabbits as a fan? Uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I would, I've had obviously a week to think about it and 
I would say that that experience plus the Montana State game uh, in the semifinals, which was pretty cool, uh, are two of maybe the top five you know sporting events that I've had a chance to be at. Um, I, you know, I'm just thinking about it now. There's you know, there's some other stuff on a, on a personal level. Uh, the first game at U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings played the Packers had a chance to be at that. Yep. Uh, you and I were both in the Final Four in 2019. That was cool. Yep. Uh, but, you know, the just the, the matter of, you know, I've been following SDSU now since 2010, so that's more than a decade. Um, and this is, you know, they made the NCAA tournament. I remember it was a big deal in 2012 when, when the men made it for the first time. Obviously, the women had been to the Sweet 16, but I wasn't uh, I mean, I was at the, the first few times SDC men made the tournament. Um, you know, this was just, to me, it was a different level. Uh, you know, there were six, seven, eight thousand Jacks fans down there. Uh, it was a party from basically the time people got down there uh, till through Sunday and then after Sunday. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. And the fact that the game really was not in doubt uh, after, you know, the middle of the second quarter. Um, was not something I was really expecting, but very convincing victory and very cool moment, especially you know, from the standpoint of, you know, SDSU football, we've seen, you know, the ups and downs, we've seen him get close. Mm-hmm. The parallels between the Jacks and the Vikings in some ways were not un- unwarranted. Right. So the fact that, uh, you know, SDSU really charged through the gate and, and finished off that first national title was pretty cool. And being an alum, you know, it, it I'm sure that kind of – also helps just you bring it. I mean, you're not just a regular fan. You are an alum of the school, as am I, as am Crins and Charlie and so many others. And the fact that it was against North Dakota State just, I think, makes this so much more special because we finally, I mean, we we can hang, I've, I've, I've said this, I know it doesn't count for more, but it feels like it could count for more just because of who the Jackrabbits beat, the fact that we that the Jackrabbits gave the Bison their first ever loss in Frisco, the fact that at, like we it's they it cannot be disputed. SDSU's first ever national championship game against North Dakota State, and we've we're beating them head to head now when it comes to the national championship in Frisco in terms of when they're battling against one another for that championship. So just so many things going through there. But on top of that, with your brother being. On, uh, as you said, a, a grad assistant on the defensive coaching staff. There, were were there extra? Were you a little extra nervous just for him and because of that family component in there? I mean, a little bit. I, I I wouldn't say that was a huge deal. I mean, it was just more so the fact of, okay, this is the team that at least for this year I've been following, you mm-hmm. know, to a different level than I really have ever. Um, you know, it just just because of of uh, his involvement and. Approaching it as a fan from really the Iowa game forward, and uh, yeah, I mean just just a lot of excitement. And I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I really was concerned about the NDSU in Frisco element to it. I yes. mean, just because uh, SDSU had been there, but it was different. Uh, but just the fact that NDSU was nine and zero, and they had had teams that uh, maybe were equal to the team they played, but they then outdid them. When they got to Frisco, mm-hmm. and uh, or maybe you know I can't say of any any occasion where they were an underdog. I think somebody said maybe the first time or two that they were down there, maybe they were when they played Sam Houston. But uh, after that, I mean they they know how to win there, and so for this, as you said, it was not a fluke. You you pounded them. It was not a close game. Mm-hmm. Um, you just leave no doubt about who was the best team in the FCS this year. And 
really they did that in the last two games. I, I think it's fair to say, yeah, Incarnate Word certainly could make an argument for uh, being a pretty special team, but Montana State was up there, mm-hmm. and yes, obviously was right there, and SDC beat both of them pretty handily. And, uh, yeah, it was it was just a cool experience to be in the stadium, just that build toward kickoff, and then once it's going, it's just kind of unadulterated, all right, uh, you know, supporting supporting the team. And it's it's also a different element. I'll just I'll just say this. My brother is in the press box during the game. So yep. I see him on the field during warm-ups up until about a half hour before the game. And then, then I know he's up there, but I can't really see him. So I'm not seeing how he's reacting. I don't see him being nervous. So maybe it's I'm not nervous, you know. Right. So it's it's one of those things where if he was on the sideline for the whole game, maybe he'd be different because you kind of keep an eye on him. But once, once uh, you know, the bulk of the warm-ups are done, then he's – He's uh he's headed upstairs. So, and I agree with you. Just like the ner- I I didn't expect. I, I was hoping for the best, expecting the worst, just because of who NDSU is and, and the the championship pedigree that they have. And even when it was twenty eight to seven, it, I was like, okay, let still a little dicey here. And then uh, you know, cutting it to twenty eight fourteen or the ninety nine yard touchdown drive, it's like, okay, like this game isn't still like. I, SDSU should win, but we've seen crazier stuff happen. I thought going for the extra point, though, just I I don't I don't understand that because you're down 24 at the time. You I wouldn't I, why wouldn't you try and go for two there if you don't get it? It's still a three possession game. When they had that, when they kicked that extra point, I felt a whole lot better about SDSU's chances. What did you make of that decision for them to kick the extra point there? I mean, it was the wrong call. I, I don't know how you how else you could look at it. Um, I, I you know I, I know NDSU fans were not happy about how that unfolded. I never really got an explanation as to why. I, I think it was just Matt Ince didn't think it over. He sent the kickoff or kick out kicking unit out there, and yeah, he just heard that they were still going to be three possessions behind. But you know, uh, from that point, I, I kind of thought, okay, well, if they go for this and they and they get the two and they're within sixteen. And I'm kind of like you, yeah. This is this is close enough this, that NDSU could be still in this game. You get the extra point. They just were not scoring fast enough, and SDSU was doing a good enough job on offense, keeping the ball away. That I, you know, the the, the paradigm of the game changes right there. Yep, and uh, it was near the flawless game offensively for the Jackrabbits there, and now then you win the national championship here. Uh, and now we're hearing about all these, like, run it back, Jacks. You know, the Yankee twins are coming back, and maybe, you know, like, Hines is coming back. Like, so many guys, I think, want to go ahead and repeat here. Uh, I'll ask you this. What's your brother's future there? Is he is he there for another year? Is he going to be on the staff full-time? Like, what is he going to run it back with the team? As far as I know, I, this was his first year as a GA. He had been a... You know, student coach before, but as far as I know, this is the first of two years, and, okay. and so I, he's going to be back next year. And uh, you know, there there are you know there will be coaching changes. There are some already with with uh, you know wide receiver coach going to USC to be their offensive coordinator. So there's some level of changes already. But as far as I know, he's he's on board for another year. Well, very good, very cool. And you said being in the stadium, so many thousands of Jackrabbit fans there. We can kind of get a glimpse of it from TV. But it certainly sounded like the Jackrabbit fans were louder there. So was it just that they were louder, or did they have the majority of the crowd down in Frisco? You know, I've I've heard people, you know, basically try to justify it in the fact that, you know, they they thought it was more NDSU fans than SDSU. I can't say that. I, you know, the SDSU side was almost all SDSU fans. 
the MUSU side was all MUSU fans. There were pockets on each side that had fans from the other team. Uh, and then the end zone, the one end zone that has the seating, felt to me pretty 50-50. So I really can't say it was more than 50-50. But, okay. you know, through the reputation of NDSU going down to to Frisco and taking the town over, there were plenty of them down there. My flight from Minneapolis, uh, there was a lot of NDSU fans, not a lot of SU fans. Had me a little concerned. But then, <laughs> you know, I got down there and, and somebody said, oh, I was on a flight from Omaha and it was all SU fans. And so, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, there's people coming from all over the place, and uh, the, uh, you know, at one, I think it's, it was clear SGC had more to cheer about. SGC fans were into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of sitting in, in that game. And uh, just the way it built, it, it was loud the entire game, and that's part of what made it such a memorable experience. It was just uh, how well things went from the beginning. And, um, you know, it's been one of those games you've obviously been in the crowd before yeah. where it's just, you're high-fiving strangers, and, yes. and people are fired up because this is this is going really well. And yep. like you said, they played extremely well. The offense played extremely well. The defense, I thought, you know, played very strong. And you know, if you don't stop them, this is the Vikings situation. Yeah. If you don't stop the other team, uh, you're going to have a tough time winning. And NDSU, I mean, if we're going to if we're going to talk about NDSU, we're going to talk about Montana State. SDSU ran on both those teams, and it was maybe a little bit more predictable against NDSU because NDSU struggled against the run all year. But if you run the ball, I guess if you did, you win the national championship. That's exactly what happened. Yep, it was just wonderful to watch. I'm curious. So, did you did you record the game at all? And if so, have you watched it yet? I didn't. Re- I didn't record the game here uh, in Mitchell. I, I we did record it uh, at my mom's house, and so we did watch it on Monday when we got back. And I know that there's a few places that have the the full replay on YouTube. So. I'm pretty confident that it'll be there in case I want to watch it in the future. But uh, I've already watched the you know the ten or fifteen minute uh, highlights you know on YouTube a couple times, and yeah, I mean just a you know a lot of good a lot of good stuff happening there, you know. And, well, it was, and it was a clean game by the announcers for the most part. So I heard that. Yeah, not not too many not too many issues there. And, you know, uh, when you got Jay Walker involved, you never know for sure. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that that it worked out okay. Yeah. Yep, I was too. I was very pleased with the result. And, of course, it, it's just great being national champions. It, like I said, it takes the sting out a little bit of the Vikings' loss. And just, like I said, I mean, we are both alum and f- I, I, at least I could say I'm a fan. I know you're a kind of fan, but you have to be impartial with, with being in the media and whatnot. But it just, I mean, it feels so good today to just see that come so close so many times and finally break through. And just seeing all of the outpouring and support and just the joy of Jackrabbit Nation. Yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm trying to keep my impartiality with the other SEC sports, especially basketball coming up. But, uh, you know, football was a different story this year for a lot of different reasons. Yep. And so uh, that that made that made this season one I'm not going to forget. And I, I can say, you know, the uh, the post-game celebration was, was something I'm not going to forget for a long time, just the uh, the hug between my mom and my brother, and the hug between me and my brother, and mm-hmm. just the, the, how happy he was. Uh, I'm not going to forget that anytime soon. And you know, just you know, you're at the Iowa game, and it's seven to three, it's five to three for a while, and you're just like, is this really happening? You know, like, you know, Grant, you know, you're playing a tough team, but you're like, holy crap, this is not going well. And there were lumps in the road, and you, in retrospect, you see why you had an offensive coordinator. Uh, you had a quarterback that was working his way back from injury, but they really got better as the season wore on. And, 
when they got to the playoffs, they were finding another gear, especially in the semis and the, in the championship. And uh, what a dream season, you know. Yeah. And um, hey, the one question I had for you is: yes. okay, we've got a lot of this. Uh, we've got a lot of this national championship gear out there. Oh, I know yes. that you you sometimes find yourself susceptible to whipping out that that credit card. Or I that, sure do. You know, you know, getting the money out. So have you? Have you set any limitations on yourself? Or are you already, how much of this are you eyeing? So, I, you know what? That's a great question. I was just going to ask you the same thing. So I'll answer your question first here. Um, I I told my wife, Kelsey, I said, I'm going to try and be good with this. But I do have to get some championship gear. It's the first one. And it's, uh, it's against NDSU. So I need to commemorate it. So I bought a quarter zip. I bought a uh, national championship sweatshirt and a t-shirt. Spent a little more than what I was hoping to, but overall, I, I I kept it considerably lower than what I could have been. So roughly like two hundred dollars or something. I mean, the the, the gear is expensive, but it's worth it. Given it, you know, I, I had already talked to her about it going in. Like, if they win, I'm gonna be getting some stuff. She said, I know, I'm well aware, but I I will admit I was far better than say when when we went to the to the final four in Minneapolis and I was uh, I was spending uh, money left and right and that, that my my credit card and my wallet feel a little bit better this week than it did uh, back in 2019 there in April. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a good call. Some of the stuff you're talking about I I had my eyes on it yet. I have pulled the trigger on it. The one thing I'm certain I'm getting is a one of the panoramas that they've been selling with the mm. the crowd down there in Frisco cuz that's one of those things where the photo is probably better than anything I took over the weekend. And, yep. Uh, so that, and that's something that I'll hang that up. That'll that'll uh, that'll go in my man cave or whatever we want to call it. So yeah. and um, I, yeah, I I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, I mean it's just uh, I agree with you. The first one um, it, it stands out and it will for a very long time. Yep. And yeah, I I think you know they're saying oh maybe we're running out of stuff. Make more because this is a, this is not one where you want to deny. Uh, any Jackrabbit fans of commemorating this monumentous occasion. So keep uh, keep making all these uh, championship gear. Uh, yeah, I you know pull the trigger whenever you can. But I did. I'm, I'm like I said, I, I kept it well within check. But you need to, like I said, commemorate that. So uh, and what a cool moment for you and your family too. Just uh, you know, with your brother on there and stuff. And like you said, the embrace after the game and the post game of uh, something you won't forget for a long time. So very cool, uh, Marcus. I appreciate the time as always, my friend. Uh, congratulations again on the on the win here uh, for you and for me and for all of Jackrabbit Nation. And we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler here from the Mar- uh, from the Mitchell Daily Republic. Kind enough to spend some time with us, and I knew he was down in Frisco. Wanted to get the full story for you guys in terms of you know, like was he covering the game or was he a fan? Because I knew his brother was a, a grad assistant, so I didn't know if he was fan media or just down there as a fan. So what a cool story there, and and, and we know what what's happened with him and his family and his father passing away and whatnot and so I can only imagine what that felt like on the field with him and his brother and his mom down there so just wonderful wonderful story there wonderful time and again jackrabbits are winning we are going to hopefully talk a little bit more about it got the fan perspective we're, we're gonna see uh i mean we got the fan perspective last week with charlie as well but we had someone there as a fan and marcus and we're gonna try and see if uh, matt zimmer Formerly of the Argus Leaders, no longer there anymore. Sioux Falls Live, I think Forum Communications now. We're going to 
see if he will join us either this week or hopefully next week. So uh, stick around for that, and uh, we'll recap Super Wild Card Weekend and make some picks for the NFL Divisional Round as well. That's all coming up here still on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Uh, just search a Sports Block. Follow Marcus on Twitter, at Marcus Traxler. More Sports Block Podcast coming up next here on Sports Block Podcast, available on iTunes and on podcast.com. We are going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. I want to let you know the uh, interview with Matt Zimmer will be on next week's podcast. So definitely look forward to that. So we're going to just finish it up here quick. Look back at Wild Card Weekend and make some early picks for the NFL Divisional Round. So looking back, uh, 49ers at the Seahawks. Seahawks had a 17-16 lead at the half. Thought maybe Seattle could upset the 49ers here, and then the 49ers said, no, that's not going to happen. Christian McCaffrey, big game. Debo Samuel, monster game. Brock Purdy played great. Defense was all over Geno Smith and the Seahawks in the second half, and the 49ers win 41-23. Saturday night, we saw the third largest playoff comeback in, in the playoffs in NFL history. Chargers were up 27-0 on the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first half. Trevor Lawrence was Atrocious. Four interceptions in the first half. I think three were picked off by Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, he was everywhere. And yet the Jaguars scored a touchdown late in the first half. And the fact that the Chargers, who had forced like five turnovers in that first half, could only score 27 points, it's like, oh, he kind of felt a little dicey. Jaguars score in the third quarter, and then it just, I think, became apparent to probably so many Chargers fans out there, but certainly anyone watching, like, Jaguars have a real shot at this. They're plugging away. The two-point conversion off of the um, touchdown after Joey Bosa loses his mind. Th- that's unacceptable from Joey Bosa. He's got to do better than that. Uh, cut the lead to two. Dicker, the kicker, missed a field goal for the Chargers. Jaguars kick a game-winning field goal, and they win 31-30. A crushing loss for the L.A. Chargers. A huge win for the Jaguars. Uh, then uh, Sunday... Dolphins and the Bills. Bills were up 17-0 over the Dolphins, and it looked like this game was going to be a runaway. But the Dolphins fought back. Josh Allen played terrible. Had a couple interceptions, a couple of fumbles, one of them which was lost in return for a touchdown. He was bad, and yet the Dolphins, playing with Skylar Thompson, they they hung in there. Uh, But, you know, they were trailing 34-24, cut the lead to 34-31, and had a chance late, but on a fourth and one, they couldn't break the huddle until with five seconds left, they didn't have a timeout. This was a problem, and the uh, they get a delay game, incomplete pass to Mike Gesicki. The Bills survive 34-31. We talked about this. The Giants beat the Vikings 31-24. Vikings defense was absolutely terrible. Daniel Jones became the first quarterback in NFL playoff history to have over 300 yards passing, 75 yards rushing, and two passing touchdowns. He was incredible. The Giants played great. Kirk Cousins, again, check down on fourth and eight. Really had nowhere else to go. All that anyone's going to remember is that. But he played a great game overall. Uh, the Vikings have some serious issues to fix in the offseason with their defense. That was bad. Starting by firing Ed Donatel. Please do it. Uh, then uh, Sunday night, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-17. Cincinnati. Uh, Baltimore played really good. Tyler Snoop Huntley was great, and yet 
he made arguably the biggest mistake of the game. Third and goal at the one. The Ravens are about to go up by seven. He lunges over the line, and everyone seemed like, you just got to push it in. You just got to stay low. He didn't. He leaps over. He fumbles it. Sam Hubbard, defensive end for the Bengals, recovers it, runs it 98 yards for a touchdown. The Bengals would ultimately hang on to win 24-17. Costly, costly mistake by Huntley. The Bengals survive in a game that it was not pretty from their standpoint, especially offensively. And then Monday night, Dallas wins their first road playoff game in over 30 years, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-14. Uh, Dak Prescott was great in this one. Three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. The... Uh, he had four missed extra points by Bill Maher. That was about the only blemish for the Cowboys, but something to monitor this week. Have we seen the last of Tom Brady? It's certainly possible. They'd have fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich because that was the problem. It wasn't you know the offensive line injury woes, and it wasn't Tom Brady. It was it was the offensive play. No, really wasn't. Considering Byron Leftwich was up for a head coaching gig uh, multiple times last year, I don't think so. So I don't buy that at all. But the uh, the 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 Cowboys ultimately win. And that leads us to NFL Divisional Weekend. It starts this Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC in the AFC. It's the four-seeded Jaguars against the one-seed Kansas City Chiefs. I, I sense an upset here. I, I really do, but I, I, I think the Jaguars can do it. I will not be shocked if they go into Arrowhead and win, especially after what Joe Burrow and the Bengals did last year in the AFC Championship game. In the snow, it's supposed to be snowy a little bit. Chiefs are ready. I, I think uh, Andy, head coach Andy Reid gets the best of his uh, pupil, Doug Peterson. I think the, the Chiefs ultimately survive here. But don't be shocked that the Jaguars can pull off this upset. Speaking of don't be shocked, the New York Giants are 6-0 against one seeds in the playoffs since 1990. They go to Philadelphia to take on the top-seeded Eagles in the NFC. That is at 8.15 uh, p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Jalen Hurts no longer on the injury report with that shoulder, but does anyone really have faith? And the Giants almost beat the Eagles Week 18 with their backups. Watch out for this game. I'm picking the Eagles, but again, this is a game you just got to watch out for with the Giants. Then Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central Time on CBS, the three-seeded. If the Bengals win, I don't I don't deem this to be an upset. I'm going with Buffalo, but Cincinnati's fully capable of going. The Cowboys are coming in hot. At some point, does Brock Purdy fall back to earth? Perhaps, but this 49ers defense is great. The Cowboys defense is good, so I'm a little concerned for NFL Divisional uh, weekend. The, the official picks and predictions can be found in stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com. Again, my, uh, Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader will be on. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening week in and week out. We appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast over the years and we're going to continue to do it. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, uh, for Travis and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Find this podcast available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Marcus Traxler at Marcus Traxler, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, Facebook Nathan Stacken, the link to the podcast. Final round of the playoffs, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.